It's our WWE Extreme Rules 2019 preview and prediction show, plus news on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. I gotta tell you, I don't know how extreme I feel right now, okay? Team Extreme's not in this. There's not really like anything I'm feeling extreme about. It's not like I went and did a skydiving trip this weekend. I didn't go through glass. I also didn't pull a JPP and blow off two of my fingers via fireworks. Or plaxical burst, shooting myself in the leg while wearing sweatpants. I don't I don't really feel like uh, something's missing. Perhaps, perhaps I need the Sandman to hit me over the head with a Singapore cane, not a kendo stick. Or I need the Undertaker to go ahead and choke me, choke slam me from the top rope through the announce table. Or perhaps uh, Rhino can gore me through a stage without wearing a mask. Or Edge can go ahead and spear me from a ladder. All of those would be more relevant than how I feel about this pay per view. However, this is the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. Boss Ross and the J-Man. This, of course, is our preview and prediction show. We love doing these. Episode 57. My goodness. We are really getting up there. If you if you checked out our last show, which was our mid-season award show. What a great show. Which lasted about 13 hours. You know what? Okay, hold on for one second. It was a little bit long, which is the a reason little? why. We, that's the reason why we split it into three parts. But first of all, it, it's a, it, we're really proud of the work that we do around here. Okay, let's not beat around the bush. My plan was a 40-minute show that ended up being three parts. This is what happens when you don't listen to me when I've told you about an idea three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we discussed it on text message, Instagram, and over the phone. But that being said, (laughs) that being said, we're proud of the stuff that we do on this show. Mostly. That was a bomb-ass show. (laughs) It was a good show. If you haven't listened to our mid-season award special, then you're freaking sitting on your ass not doing anything because you should go ahead and pop in your headphones, click play on parts one through three, and actually immerse yourself into the greatness that we brought. Boom. I'm proud of it. I'm cocky. I'm a narcissist. Suck it. I figured you were either going with boom shakalaka or boom goes the dynamite or you were going to do the boom drop over there. Uh, Bada boom, realest podcast in the room. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bang, DDP style. By the way, I just watched a match where uh, he and Kevin Nash won the tag team championships in WCW 2000, of course. championships. That's right. (laughs) And by the way, their team name was the Insiders instead of the Outsiders. That was the match where they beat the perfect event, part of the group known as the Natural Born Thrillers. Um, remind me who was in that group again, please. The perfect event was uh, Chuck Palumbo and your boy, Sean Stasiak. Why must you do the too sweet when you do that? <laughs> By the way, too sweet me, bro. We always do it at the beginning, but you know we haven't done one on the show. We haven't done one in a while, bro. Uh, so the Natural Born Thrillers would be those two, Palumbo, uh-huh. Stasiak, and then that was Sean O'Hare. Uh, Mark Jindrak. Okay. So both of them worked for the WWE, as did Palumbo, as did Stasiak briefly. Yes. Then there was a guy named Above Average Mike Sanders, also in that group. There was another guy named Reno in that group. Johnny the Bull Stamboli was also in that group. From FBI? From FBI, also known as Relic in TNA, which was killer spelled backwards since they told you that Uh, on every show. Was Johnny Stamboli, was he the guy that did that insane spine buster? 
I believe so. Also, Chuck Palumbo was also in FBI, <laughs> now that I think about it. Was he really? He was. Oh. With uh, little Nunzio. Nunzio, yeah. Yeah. Good, Good times. Good Nunzio. Man. We've gone way off the rails as usual, and I apologize, but I really don't, because we were talking about uh, catchphrases, and then I went on my was WCW it, wait, 2000. Wait, wait, so. uh, was this WCW 2000? It was. Okay. It was right it before was. Scott Steiner. Yeah, boy, Scott Steiner don't, became the world champion until that. that company closed, and then Booker T became the dual champion. Holla! If you hear me, shut your mouth, Scott. Hey, hey, you will not speak ill will of Scott Steiner on this show. I will show. do as much ill will as I need to when it comes to Scott that Scott Steiner's tremendous. That's all you <laughs> need to know. That being said, this is a preview and prediction show, but we do have news to get yeah, to. Yeah, we do. There actually is a pay-per-view that just happened. There's a pay-per-view that's happening this weekend mm-hmm. that's coinciding, well, not with Extreme Rules, but it is the same weekend yes. as Extreme Rules. We'll briefly go over that. I've been granted a few minutes to talk about Slammiversary, which is the pay-per-view that happened afterwards. And, of course, we do have some news. So let's start with news very quickly. Okay. Um, This does not surprise me because they've kind of been limiting these in general. But it does not surprise me that Kofi Kingston has not been working a lot on a lot of the house shows. Now I have a much clearer reason why that is. Yeah, so um, Kofi has had a little bit of a minor injury over the last couple of weeks here. It does not specify what exactly it is, but um, if you notice, Kofi, I don't think Kofi, no, Kofi did not work on SmackDown. He did not work Raw. He was there, of course, but he did not get physical. Um, and apparently he did not. He has not been working a pa- the past couple of house shows over the past week or so. He's been dealing with a couple of injuries. We all know that Kofi's style isn't reckless, but Kofi is very physical in the ring. He takes bumps like nobody's business. We all saw the bump, that the insane bump that he took on the stage from the Urunagi from Samoa Joe a couple of weeks back. Um, and so... When you work the style that Kofi works, and then when you get the workload that you would get as the WWE champion, every once in a while, you know, you're going to have a couple of things pop up. But from what we understand, according to WrestlingInc.com, they said that he didn't participate in the live event in Glen Falls, New York, but uh, he should be ready to go in Philly on Sunday. That 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 is the word coming out of World Wrestling Entertainment. That he should be ready to go. He's obviously got his title match with Samoa Joe, one of the semi-mains. And uh, here's to hoping a quick recovery for the WWE champ. What you looking at over there, Ross? I see you smiling, my brother. My my friend that looks like Brian Cage yeah. sent me a funny photo. And he defended his title. So when I talk about Slammiversary, that'll be when I do that. And then he also got married this weekend. So there you go. Fair enough. So with that being said, uh, another- <laughs> oh God, we have so much fun on these th- on these things. Um, second bit of news: um, Alberto Del Rio, former WWE star Alberto Del Rio, Alberto Patron. Um, uh, m- some of you may know that he owns the MMA promotion Combate Americas, which is a mixed martial arts uh, promotion um, that. Uh, has a lot of Hispanic uh, fighters in it. It's very, very cool. He's had it for a couple of years now, if I'm not mistaken. They travel all over the United States and all over Latin America. Well, um, Alberto Lorio, I know we don't necessarily talk a lot about mixed martial arts on this podcast, but every once in a while, whenever it relates to wrestling, we bring it up, and here it is. But he actually has a fight in his own promotion. He's going to be fighting Tito Ortiz. Um, I don't have an actual date yet. Let me see. It's supposed to be later this year. They're going to be fighting at a catch weight of about 210 pounds, which in mixed martial arts, that is heavyweight. Um, Alberto Del Rio's wrestling weight was about 235. Yes. Um, and 
Tito, Tito Ortiz, former light heavyweight champion in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh, known for his great rivalries with Chuck Liddell and with Kim Shamrock and just being an absolute legend in the UFC, he fought at about 215. So this catch weight of 210 is a perfect weight for the two of them. And uh, yeah, so they're going to be fighting a little bit later this year in Combate Americas. Um, I don't really know what to say because I've never seen Alberto De Rio fight in MMA. I know that he has MMA background and he's done it before, but I don't, I don't know. It'll be, we'll have to wait and find out. And obviously, as soon as we find out a date, we'll go ahead and let you guys know if that's something that you're interested in. But yeah, Alberto Del Rio doing some MMA. That should be really interesting. Two 40-year-olds in an MMA fight, I expect at least one of them to be gassed by the first round. I have a feeling that the person that's going to be more gassed might be the guy that hasn't done any crazy athletic uh, ath- athleticism for a long period of time, which is possibly Tito Ortiz. The Huntington Beach bad boy. That is correct. Tito Ortiz. Yes. Oh, does that mean that Ricardo Rodriguez is going to do the introduction for Alberto Del Rio? It's possible. That would be wonderful if that was the case. Although, knowing MMA, they, they might as well just get buffered. Hold on, I'm going to do this. Alberto Del Rio. Come at me, Mike Roman, Greg Hamilton. Why did they ever get rid of that entrance? I don't know. With him with the cars. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. I know. Well, he turned babyface. I, I was going to say, just because he turned babyface, that would have been badass if a baby babyface rolls up You're in, right. in he a sh- Mercedes he, uh, convertible. He, he he clearly should have come out in uh, a Civic. <laughs> a, 19, uh, a 1999 Civic from the Fast and the Furious with green Leon flowing from under the... Clearly, the car should that have had total uh, sense. should have had should have had Hobbs and Shaw with him if he was still uh, working, since that movie's coming out soon. Absolutely. Cross promotion plus Fast and Furious. Get in there. Uh, so Roman Reigns won an award from uh, the company that you like that I'm not a big fan of, but sure. Well, the biggest sports company in the world, but yes, yes. ESPN they hold they held their ESPYS last. <laughs> ESPN. Uh, what does ESPN stand for again? Um, something sports programming network. I don't remember. Entertainment Sports there Programming Network? That's, is that's that what, what it is? is. Okay. But that's anyways, uh, good old ESPN. They held their ESPYs last night, which is their annual, it's like their sports Oscars, if you will. That's basically the yes. best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been, I mean, and the ESPYs have been getting bigger and bigger every single year. John Cena uh, hosted the ESPYs a couple of years back. Danica Patrick hosted it last year. And this year's host was uh, good old Tracy Morgan. Shout out to Tracy Morgan. Hilarious dude, of course, uh, from SNL fame. But, um, for the first time ever, as the ESPYs held a WWE award. As many of you know, WWE and ESPN have a very strong relationship. I think that was you can definitely go ahead and give credit to Jonathan Coachman on that. But uh, so they had the uh, WWE Moment of the Year award, and uh, the nominees were Kofi Kingston winning the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 35, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch main eventing at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey winning winning the women's the Raw Women's Title at SummerSlam last year, and Roman Reigns coming back from leukemia last February, and Roman Reigns ended up winning that award. Let's be honest here. Uh, and I posted this on our Instagram account, the Double Turn Podcast. Go ahead and give us a follow. Ross the Real Boss eighty five, the one and only J Man nineteen. Um, Boss, Boss Ross T D T on you. Twitter. Do you I'm have a so Twitter sorry. account yet? No, not yet. Get one. I'm doing. Stop being lazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm too busy at work and then seeing Woj bombs being dropped every day. You could get a Woj bomb on Twitter. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> 
good point. <laughs> on Twitter! <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, okay, here we go. So, Kofi Kingston winning the title at WrestleMania was awesome. Ronda winning at um, SummerSlam was absolutely epic. And then, of course, the women main eventing at WrestleMania was something that has never been done before, and it is absolutely historic. However, when a man comes back from beating cancer, that's not even that's not a thing of legend, Ross. That's a myth. And we we can't stress this enough. We've talked about it at length on this podcast when he first got diagnosed, when he came back and announced he was in remission. This is amazing. Seeing him perform at an incredibly high level is amazing. If he wasn't going to win the the award last night at the ESPYs, I, I, I would have lost all faith in ESPN. And by the way, this is coming from a man who's a huge Kofi Kingston fan, a huge Becky Lynch fan, a huge fan of Charlotte Flair, and a huge fan of Ronda Rousey. But I'm not stupid... When a man comes back and defeats cancer, that is awesome. My my grandmother lost her life because of breast cancer. I hate cancer. Cancer can suck a big one. So Roman Reigns beating it, hallelujah. You keep fighting the good fight, big bro. There it is. There it is. Some sad news from CMLL, and uh, I will be very frank, um, most of my experiences with uh, the federations down south, mm-hmm. that being AAA, CMLL, I have you know, paid a little bit of attention to, but not a lot of attention to. But yeah. the owner of CMLL has passed. Yeah, uh, Paco Alonso, Francisco Alonso Luderoff, uh, was the owner of the CMLL. Um, it's actually, for those of you who don't know, the uh, Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre is actually the oldest wrestling promotion in the entire world. Um, let me go ahead and see if I can find out when it went ahead and started. Oh, founded in 1933. So it's been around for a long time. A lot of wrestling greats have come through this promotion. Chris Jericho actually posted up a tribute on Instagram. He was actually very emotional uh, talking about the passing of Mr. Alonzo. Mr. Alonzo was one of the ones that gave Chris Jericho his big break. Rey Mysterio fought for CMLL. Eddie Guerrero was part of CMLL. Um, I think Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit fought down there back in the early 90s before they got signed by WCW, if I'm not mistaken. So um, don't quote me on that. I think that is the case. If not, then my apologies. But regardless, I know Chris Jericho did, and I know Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero did. Um, And and it's just a huge wrestling promotion. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Mr. Alonzo and his entire family and to uh, fans of CMLL. it's it, it always sucks when one of the big ones in, in pro wrestling passes, but, you know, to bigger and better pastures. As per usual, there's no real easy way to segue out of something like that. And unfortunately, on this show, we have, of course, had news of either wrestlers or promoters or anything like that passing. So what I will say is that we have uh, we have a couple of events coming up. So we'll kind of do this in kind of a backwards order, but it fits. Evolve's 10th anniversary show, their card lineup was released. I will tell you as of this moment, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, actually, there are nine matches because there's apparently a special attraction match. Way to WCW your name of it. (laughs) Uh, Matches of note, Adam Cole is defending the NXT Championship against Akira Tozawa. Boom. Let me tell you something. That match... I, we've I've stated my thoughts on Akira Tozawa, as have you. Never have we ever doubted his wrestling ability. Never will we. 
Mm-hmm. Adam Cole and Akira Tozawa, you may sign me up. I will sit down. I will pay money and enjoy the 25 minutes of the greatness that they that those two will put on. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, there is a Evolve WWN Championship winner-take-all match between Evolve's champion Austin Theory and WWN's champion J.D. Drake. If you know nothing about WWN, their inaugural champion was Matt Riddle. Oh, okay. Keith Lee and Joey Janela have also won those titles. Keith Lee, of course, works for WWE. Joey Janela works for AEW. By the way, Joey Janela and uh, Enzo Amore got into it uh, at a Blink-182 concert over the weekend. That sounds awful. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Matt Riddle, he is facing WWE Cruiserweight Champion, my man, Drew Gulak. This is your your match right here, Roswell. In what is called a catch point reunion match. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's a stipulation match. All I know is that apparently it is not for the Cruiserweight title, which is fine. Even though I did tell you that uh, if Matt Riddle just went down and wait, he could make an awesome babyface addition to the 205 Live roster, and everyone would hate it. Wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree with that, and wholeheartedly agree with the second statement you just made. Uh, So I will tell you that uh, I found the lineup from a good friend of mine who is now writing for Fansided, Cedric Welton. Yo, Cedric, give us a shout-out, man. With uh, with whom I have actually done a radio podcast with way back when, oh, when was he and a, I... When you guys were at ASU? Yes. Oh, fire, dude. So very excited to hear uh, my buddy Cedric, of course now writing for Fansided, so I figured I'd give him a shout-out on for this. Sure. I know he does listen at least occasionally, so Cedric... Big ups to you. Very proud of you, buddy. Uh, hopefully, we can have you on the show. Talk that some would be wrestling. lovely, man. That would be lovely. Too sweet, brother. Too sweet. Congratulations on behalf of the J-Man. So, uh, I found that out on his article, fansided.com. That now is we what have I found. a source. Exactly. By the way, can you please give me the shout-out of the fact that I dropped the Woj Bomb on so, you earlier today? Earlier today, for those of you that are NBA fans, uh, I am a James Harden fan, which makes me a Houston Rockets fan. Well, the Houston Rockets traded for Russell Westbrook. Jeez. Oh, uh, the J-Man gave me the information. I will admit that I thought it was fake news because I had to check my sources, that being Woj and my buddy Frank, who's I, I, the funny thing was, NBA insider. Did I say it was a Woj bomb? You I, did. Okay, I said Woj bomb. Okay, cool. And then, so and you then, were like, I have to check on the Woj bomb. That- right. So you did that, and while I was checking on that, you sent me the screenshot, and then I immediately went to my went to my insider, Frank, Yeah. and uh, he was like, oh my goodness. It was great. <laughs> so uh, Russell Westbrook is now a proud member of the Houston Rockets. This- he this NBA offseason so. has been uh, it's been one for the books. This has been Very the true. craziest offseason I have ever seen in my entire life. We thought 2010 was crazy. For those of you who can't remember, 2010 was the year that LeBron left the South Beach. The decision. The decision. Chris Bosh came to South Beach. Um Carmelo stayed in New York. Um a lot of things happened in 2010. Yeah, this blows this out of the water with By all the movement that's far, happened. The Paul George, the, you and I didn't even get a chance to go ahead and talk about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. George, Kawhi, Durant, Irving, Kemba, uh, Kemba, the AD trade, yep. Westbrook trade. Un- unbelievable. I'm guessing the I'm guessing the Thunder are probably going to actually. There were reports that he's going to stay, but I would not be surprised if they just flip Chris Paul to the Lakers. That or Steven Adams. What's Steven Adams going to do? I don't know. He's going to be Lurch in the land of a rebuild. 
That's what he's going to be. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Derrick Rose signed with the Pistons. That was a small move, but I think it's pretty big because Derrick Rose has been playing out of his mind. Could be. This is a wrestling podcast, not a basketball, but it's okay because I knew you were going to bring it up. By the way, we could totally get away with hosting an NBA podcast. It's possible. But I did already tell my NBA insider if I ever did one, I would do it with them. So there you go. That's okay. Yeah. I appreciate your honesty. Perhaps you can be the J-bomb. Hey. Hey. And then I'll be like, hey, I already got it from Woj. (laughs) What a dick. (laughs) Editing that out. All right. So there is a pay-per-view coming up this weekend. It is AEW's Fight for the Fallen. Now, Fighter Fest was just two weeks ago. It was. Jeez. So AEW is really. They're pushing him. They are. Uh, So this is uh, the event that's happening at Daly's Place in Jacksonville. Uh, this is, of course, the the cons that are they have a vested stake in this. They are the owners, or at least the part owners, or at least that's where the money's coming from. I mean, they are the major owners, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. They are the Ted Turner to this. Uh, the endeavor. majority owners is that what we'd call them? Yeah. Okay. So uh, there is an eight match card. It is happening on the 13th, which is a Saturday. By the way, I misspoke last week. Slammiversary did happen on a Sunday. Oh, they have I did done notice. pay-per-views on yes, a Saturday, but this one was on a Sunday. Yeah, it threw me off because I was like waiting for the results yes. of, of uh, Slammiversary. Yes. And I was like, why is there nothing going on on Saturday? And then I got the stuff on Sunday and I was like, oh. So for those of you that were trying to watch the pay-per-view on Saturday, I apologize because it happened on Sunday. I'm sure you didn't miss it if you really wanted to watch it. Uh, this pay-per-view, Fight for the Fallen, of course, like I said, it's happening on Saturday. Kenny Omega's wrestling. Uh, the Rhodes versus the Young Bucks are wrestling. That's probably going to be the main event. Uh, it might be. Uh, don't sleep on uh, SoCal Uncensored versus the Lucha Bros. Listen, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, do not. Uh, this is not a bit of a match to be sleeping on. This is this is a main event all, anywhere all over the world. Um, Adam Page and Kip Sabian are wrestling. That should this, be good as well. That should be a really nice warm up for Adam Page. And then uh, they're also doing a three way tag team match. Uh, to essentially get a first round buy in the tag team title tournament at All Out. Uh, the triple threat is uh, the Dark Order, which is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, and Helico and Jack Evans, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. What a team that is. The winner of that match gets a first round buy in the tag team tournament that's happening at All Out, which is their next big pay per view. Right. That's happening at the Sears Center in Chicago, uh, yes. Labor Day weekend. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if. The winner of the Young Bucks and the Rhodes brothers uh, would probably be part of that tournament too. And they, I'm sure they, I'm sure they might both be. Yeah. Actually, and then of course uh, Brandy's wrestling. She's wrestling Allie, who was formerly with Impact Wrestling. Oh, that should be fun. Shout out to Brandy. Yes. So, eight match card Saturday. Check it out. Uh, I I have a feeling that the places that it was for Fighter Fest or the previous pay per view um, will be available for this as well. So awesome. there you go. That is Fight for the Fallen. I have been granted a couple of minutes to talk about Slammiversary that just happened this past weekend for Impact Wrestling. What I will tell you is this, that show, because I did watch it, that show was essentially the tale of two pay-per-views. It was, I have it on my screen here just a second ago, and now I've lost it. And now I feel stupid. So No, don't. It happens. Just a moment. We're incredibly busy men. Sometimes Here's what I will tell you. Yeah. The first half of the show was a show. The second half of the show 
was something to something to really put your hands around. Really? So uh, if you think that uh, Willie Mack needs to be pushed, that was the match for you. That was the first match in the card. They did a title change at the house show before this pay-per-view because they're under the assumption that LAX is leaving. So they had the North win the titles, which, by the way, if you've never seen the North wrestle, Ethan Page and Joss Alexander are tremendous. Uh, so they had the titles going into the match with uh, the Rascals were also involved, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz, another team you should definitely check out. Um, the North, of course, won. They retained their titles. Eddie Edwards and Killer Cross had a first blood match uh, in which Eddie Edwards won. Rob Van Dam lost to Moose. I was actually a little surprised by that outcome, but if Rob Van Dam is anything, he has become a very giving person in the wrestling business. He puts people over. He sure does. I was very surprised to see Taya Valkyrie hold on to her championship, even though she had three very strong competitors, that being the returning Jessica Havoc, then, of course, Rosemary and Sue Young. Rich Swan beat Johnny Impact to retain the X Division Championship. Johnny Impact, I believe, is out of contract. That is correct. But he yeah. may be re-signing. His wife does work there, Taya Valkyrie. Yeah. So he's probably going to stay there. Right. Just to go ahead and give a quick tidbit of information. Apparently, his contract had actually expired a few weeks back, but because he was still the X Division champ at the time, they were like, they 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 came to an agreement, him and Impact Wrestling, that he would then work all the way into Slammiversary, hold the title, and then drop it there, and then. From what I understand, as you said, word is sources are saying he'll most likely resign. But at the same time, he's also looking at different options. I don't know what exactly those options are. I'm assuming, as always, all elite wrestling is all over this. Um, yes, of course. The I don't see WWE no. reaching out to Johnny Impact. No. And by the way, I don't think Johnny Impact's going back. So even if they did reach out, I don't think he's going back. Right. He, think, he's made a great name for himself in the indie circuit. He obviously was killing it out in uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah, I think he's happy where he is. Yeah. So um, please go see Brian Cage and Michael Elgin wrestle. Um, Rhino in a mask came out and gored Michael Elgin. Um, there was a spot in this match in which Brian Cage, which if you have never seen Brian Cage, he is an enormous human being. Brian Cage did a flip dive onto Michael Elgin's back to the outside. Now, explain to me who's the babyface and who's the heel in this. Because Brian I thought... Cage is the babyface. Okay. Michael Elgin's the heel. Gotcha. It's because, so so Cage beat Impact. Yes. Johnny Impact at Rebellion to I win the title. That. Michael Elgin debuted right after that. Gave him the buckle bomb and the set out bomb. Uh, and then, of course, won the number one contenders match against Impact and Pentagon. Pentagon. Uh, to get this match. So Michael Elgin was the heel in this match. Um, and then they had to put Rhino under a mask because he's still under contract with WWE. Until the 17th of July. So I'm sure they're going to do Rhino versus Michael Elgin at some point, which, whatever, that's fine. Um, please go out of your way to watch Brian Cage versus Michael Elgin. I thought it was a great match. That was not the main event of the show, though, which did kind of surprise me. The main event of that show was the intergender match between Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard. Of course, Sammy Callahan's had a bat in this feud, and Tessa Blanchard came out with her gold bat. They had a match. Sammy Callahan won. There was a large portion of the internet that was very upset with this outcome. Um, what I will tell you is, and again, this is going to come off as sexist or misogynist, and I don't care. Right now, we are still at a point where if you do an intergender match and you don't build it up properly, 
If you have the male lose, they lose all of their credibility. And I say that, and Tessa Blanchard could walk into WWE tomorrow and be one of the four best women they have on their entire roster. Tessa Blanchard could walk in through this door and knock you out, and you know she would, and she'd kill me, no problem. Tessa Blanchard's competent enough for me to say, oh, her first match in can be Charlotte for the title, and she can beat her. You wouldn't have a problem with it. No, because she's great. Absolutely. But, But because the feud was... Not rushed, but it was not a three-month buildup. I get it. You, you Usually, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm, I haven't been watching the product. I've been watching it from afar like you and I have discussed, and I'm going to go ahead and keep this short. But I, I get what you're saying. My rebuttal and the same rebuttal that you would have is in order to avoid anybody losing credibility, credibility why are you having an inter- intergender match to begin with first off? Because I get we get that this is entertainment. However, us as human beings should never be condoning men on women violence and women on men violence. That should never be the case. So why is it that we're promoting it on te- on television? Why? Which, by the way, we're probably going to see uh, man on woman and woman on man violence at this pay per view that we're about to go over. And I'm going to tell you this right now: I'm not a I'm not about that life. I'm just telling you. It's no, no, I, I'm happen. with you. I get it. I and get it's, it. And, and it became a big thing on the independent circuit, and now we have some of these bigger promotions that are doing it. And again, when done correctly, they're okay. I don't think I've ever had an intergent like. Um, of course, one of the most famous ones was China and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, or or when Lita went ahead and got involved in the Hardys matches. Right, but I'm saying like as I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. When when China participated in the Royal Rumble, that was crazy. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, China won the Intercontinental title from Jeff Jarrett. She did. Uh, did she also wrestle Jericho for that belt? She did. There you go. And then um, she did some stuff with Eddie? Yes. Yeah. So, again, when done correctly, plus China for her time was, like, unbelievable. China now would have been unbelievable. So, again, if they're done well, that's fine. Right. And, by the way, Callahan won the match. He handed her a bat back. He walked off. She got her time at the end, everything like that. I was just surprised it main evented the show, especially when you had a feud that had a three-month build of Cage and Elgin, who are both great. That's true. Plus, uh, it was for your world title. I know. I mean, Brian Cage just barely came back because Michael Elgin put him on the shelf, quote unquote. True. So it was kind of a big deal that the world champ is coming back on this pay-per-view. But hey, it's all good. Like I said. I'm curious to know what their pay-per-view numbers are. So do I. Yeah. Uh, if I find out that number, I will let you know. But that I do know that Impact's been doing a lot better because they've been focusing a lot on their TV. That's so great. And trying to get their pay-per-views back and trying to, again, they're... They're, they're putting on a good, a much better product than they've put on in a long time. They are. And look, they missed their window to be the second biggest wrestling company. They missed their window. And it wasn't just one thing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like certain things they did, but it was not one thing. Because they've always had the talent. Yeah. I mean, look at all the guys that worked there that now work for WWE. AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle was obviously there for Bobby a Rude. long time. Bobby Roode was there for a long time. James Storm was there. For about a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah, everybody and their mother was there. Braden Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Harris. No, but but uh, Abyss obviously was doing his thing. Mick Foley, uh, people forget that Mick Foley was there mm-hmm. for about a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, by the way, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff worked there as well. Yeah, obviously. As did Jeff Hardy for a while. And Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were doing their thing out there. So, yeah, Rob Van Dam was there at the, in, the, in the middle of it. Exactly. So a lot of people have been through there and whatnot. So, yeah. But if they're going to be a middle-tier wrestling mm-hmm. company, which yeah. is what they are, 
then they're doing a good job. They are. You know what? They should concentrate of trying to comp- concentrate on trying to compete with New Japan because because now. Now, New Japan has kind of dropped down a little bit because Omega's not there. The Young Bucks aren't there anymore. And Honestly, like uh, if Impact, and I will say this in all fairness, yeah. I actually think Ring of Honor's in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. And if Impact can kind of corner that market of, here's WWE at the top, here's AEW that's going to essentially be number two. Yeah. If they can be firmly number three, they're in a good spot. They're in a great spot. Absolutely. Because guess what? You can go to WWE and say, I want to work for AEW. Yeah. I want to work for Impact. And then you just go up and down the ladder of there are places for these guys and gals to work. Yes. And by the way, all three of these companies, AEW to a little lesser of an extent because they don't really have a women's division. I mean, they do, but they have like five people on the roster. Right. So slowly but surely, again, the company's still new. But even for the gals, you can go work at any of those places and probably still be fine because Impact's got a good roster. WWE's got a great roster. Impact's women's roster can – I'm not saying they would give WWE a run for their money, but what I'm saying is don't sleep on that women's division over in Impact Wrestling. So the four ladies I mentioned in the title match, Taya Valkyrie, Jessica Havoc, uh, Sue Young, Rosemary. Yeah. Then there's Blanchard. Yep. Then there's uh, Jordan Grace. Yeah. There's Kiera Hogan. There's um, there was Scarlet Bordeaux, not anymore. She's obviously correct. She got released out of her contract. Um, Gail Kim was back for a minute and then she retired. Madison Rain still works there, actually. Okay. Um, there there is talent. Yes, there out is there. So I know that was longer than a couple of minutes. We had a nice little back and forth. By the way, as deserved. we say on this, well deserved. As we say on this show, we are not a WWE wrestling podcast, even though we talk a lot of it, and there are a lot of pay-per-views and stuff that we and do. our Instagram runs all over with WWE and whatnot. It's true. Yeah. So we do put up Impact stuff. We are going to do more AEW once they start to really get going um, because it's just going to happen. And guess what? It's going to be great for the wrestling business, and it's going to be great for this podcast. Absolutely. And, and, and many other podcasts like us, so... It is that time in the show, everybody. It is preview and predictions time for WWE Extreme Rules 2019. Live from the Delph, baby. The Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The house that Allen Iverson built, baby. Yes. Yeah, damn very right. Much, very much so. Good of course, AI the, uh, the uh, Sixers have had some more recent success. They have. Thank um, goodness. I, I, they might be the favorite in the East. Now that the team that beat them on a buzzer beater in Game 7 just lost their best player. That is correct. Now, the only thing that they have to worry about is the Bucks. But sorry, didn't mean to go on that tangent again. It's okay. The East is going to be interesting. As is this pay-per-view. And I will tell you this. I never get excited for this pay-per-view. Which really sucks. I'm just going to be blunt. Yeah. And by the way, we did our top matches that are at the show. Yeah. And what was it? The 2012 one that I absolutely love. Yeah. That was... It two was, ep- no, yeah, that was that was two episodes ago. Uh-huh. So actually, four podcasts ago. That is correct because we did a three parter last week, which uh, is really one episode, but we had to split it into three parts. Yes. But I get it. Yeah. So if you go back a couple episodes, you'll see our top five uh, matches that happened at Extreme Rules. If I remember correctly, I picked three matches from the 2012 you card. Did you picked uh, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus? You picked CM Punk versus Chris Jericho, and you picked John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. There it is. Yeah. So. Out of the 10-year existence of Extreme Rules. Which is a good chunk of time. I can it, I can freely admit to you, you should watch 
one of those 10 pay-per-views. That's really sad because I can go ahead and at least give you a couple. And I understand that it's not like the other nine sucked. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that as a whole, as a pay-per-view, this is the show that I go, I'm waiting for SummerSlam. That's fair. And it's totally fair. This time around, because usually Extreme Rules was being dropped in May. And by the way, because of where we're at with WWE programming, yeah. I can't get excited for a pay-per-view where I'm not going to see a ton of violence. Yep. They've really not built this as a extreme pay-per-view. Agreed. Which, by the way, they've done these type of pay-per-views where it's like, for one night, essentially, they go ECW crazy. I mean, you, uh, we, we're going to... We're going to talk about this match until the end of time. AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules in 2016. That match, go watch that match, ladies and gentlemen. And if you've already watched that match and you're going ahead and telling us over this, you know, like, why are you listening to us? Yeah, man, I've seen that match. Well, go watch it again because that match is greatness personified. Now, I will say this. I would rather have a pay-per-view that's built like this than a pay-per-view that involves a kendo stick on a pole match, which makes Bailey look horrible for two years. But it's just, by the way, it is interesting that they are having their match again at Extreme Rules two years later. That is funny. That is a little bit funny. It's a little bit different, but I'm sure a kendo stick will be involved. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a handicap there, there's match. No, there is no. There's not really any rules in a handicap match. Unless they're making... Well, okay, now here's the thing, though, because mm-hmm. they've never specified this. Yeah. Is it a handicap match where one of them has to stay on the apron, and so one team has tags? Or is it question. both of them just... Or is it tornado style where the two of them just get to attack Bailey the whole time? I'm under the impression that it is one team gets to tag and the other one doesn't have a partner. But I don't know that because they never explain half of these things. And as I look up and down this card, right, so... I'm looking for stipulation matches on a gimmick pay-per-view, right? Gimmick matches on a gimmick pay-per-view. By the way, all it says is handicap match for the WWE SmackDown okay. Women's Championship. So I'm under the impression then that until I'm told otherwise, one team gets tags and the other one doesn't have a partner. Right. Okay. Stupid, but whatever. So on a gimmick pay-per-view where I'm supposed to have stipulation matches inherently, yep. right? I have a match that is... A extreme rules match for two titles. An intergender extreme rules right. match. That's a stipulation. Yeah. No holds barred tag team match. That basically a... sounds like the same type of thing as an extreme rules match. Correct. Except I'm guessing one of them you can use weapons and the other one you can't. That's stupid. I've never okay. I, I've always heard I, I've always been under the impression that the no holds barred match is exactly like a street fight. We then have a handicap match. Yeah. And then the only other gimmick on this pay-per-view is a last-man-standing match. match. Yeah. Okay. So there's no table match. There's no ladder match. Ladder match. There's no chairs match. By the way, I would totally be okay. And you and I have always talked about storyline consistency. We're going to get to the preview here in a second. And damn it, there's no stairs match. (laughs) (laughs) Big show and Eric Rowan. Holler at your boy. Um but uh, you always, we always talk about consistency and, st- and things of that nature and talking about how a uh, match needs uh, or a feud needs to progress to a certain point. Yes. I'll be honest with you. Uh, one of the matches on this pay-per-view is the Usos versus the Revival. Which basically was made after SmackDown, not after Raw, even though it's a Raw belt. Right. Go ahead. And I've, you know, I've been saying this for forever that they need to go ahead and make this pay-per-view, excuse me, this feud a lot more... Um, 
they need to give it a lot more importance because it's two of the best tag teams in the world. My point is that if they would have actually made this a ladder match for the tag team titles, considering the point where they're at in their rivalry, it actually would have made sense for them to give them a ladder match at Extreme Rules. Mm -hmm. But they're not. And it's incredibly frustrating. I mean, one of the things that I went ahead and put on here on our Instagram page, I did this yesterday. I said, <laughs> I love the theme song from the revival, so I apologize. But I was like, say, yeah, all day, all night, all my prowess are the people who will be ready to fight. And I tagged all four of the members, you know, Dawson, Wilder, uh, Jimmy, and Jay. I love how you didn't call him Dash. What did I say? Wilder. Oh, sorry. which one's Dawson? Which, which one's Dash? Great. Uh, by the way, Scott Dawson also reviewed my story again yesterday, but he's not reposting anything. Come on, Scott, hook it up, bro. He's Dawson. What do you expect? I know he's he's a top guy doing top guy things. That's right. Um, so, anyways, I put on there they that they're about to continue to put the tag team divisions all over the globe on notice, and guess what? They are. So let them do what they do best. So can we have a match with the Planets Tag Team Champions and the Global Tag Team Champions? Oh my gosh! You freaking give us Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Revival at Survivor Series as part of the Raw uh, versus SmackDown stuff. I'll I will lose my damn little mind. That'd be amazing. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because I'm sure the Raw Tag Somebody's Team titles. Somebody's going to lose their tag team titles before uh, no. that. Yeah. Let me let me preface this: the Sorry. Raw Tag Team titles will probably get switched a minimum before November, a minimum of seven times. times. Yeah. Oh, seven. okay. Seven. I'm going seventeen. No, no. I don't think the I don't think they're going to get switched as much as the twenty four seven title, <laughs> but maybe. It'll All be right. Close. So, so we have a ten match card. Yes, we do. There is nothing that has been noted as being on the pre-show. I have a very bad feeling the Cruiserweight title is going to be on the pre-show. The level of disrespect. I have a very bad feeling that's going to happen. By the way, most of these matches were made within the last week. Um, oh, and I will see. have my problems with some of these matches. So one, Hold on. Let me see. One, I, two. I can tell you right now, four were made this week. Yeah. The only ones that have actually had some type of storyline build have been Undertaker Roman versus Drew and, Drew and Shane. Yep. Uh, the mixed tag team match. Yep. Kofi and Joe have actually been given about three and a half worth a week's worth, which yep. is perfectly fine. And Bailey and Alexa have yep. had at least three weeks. And then now Ricochet and AJ were was just made official this week, but their rivalry has been going on for about two and a half weeks. Which, by the way, yeah. The entire thing is that AJ is trying to beat Ricochet without the club. And then they all beat him up. Why not make that a cage match? I don't know. So that way know. there's no and interference. By, and, and, and you say that he's trying to beat him without the club. He already did beat him without the club. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. But I'm saying that you could have done the angle of the club is interfering mm -hmm. to help AJ. Right. And then AJ tries to beat him by himself and he can't. Yeah. So then you do the stipulation of, oh, let's keep the club out and see if AJ can beat Ricochet in a cage. That would be perfect. But Simple. But here's the thing. We've already had three cage matches in WWE. I understand four cages, that. Four cage matches in the last six months. Look, I understand that. But that's but, on WWE. But we've also had how many, like 17 two out of three falls matches on TV? Uh, Yeah, because yeah. of the last so, three weeks. Oh, who cares? It's a cage match. That's true. No, you're right. Would you rather they just do Hell in a Cells every pay-per-view? Why not? You know, actually, Batista, wanted, Batista and Triple H wanted a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania, and they yes. didn't give it to him? I heard. Bull. It didn't need it, honestly. Well, I mean, they've done the it Because the match before. was fine without it. No, it's true, but I think, I think it would have allowed him to go ahead and even get more. Anyways, sorry. Dave, 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 Dave. I'm just saying. That's true. Extreme Rules 2019 preview. Okay. From Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania, baby. So, Let's get into this. All right. 
the my current lead is 58 to 57. I did retake the lead because of my boy Drew Gulak. Love it. And good old Drew McIntyre. That's right. Because I am the man. Screw over of a lifetime. <laughs> look, look, it's your fault that you picked against Roman. I know, it's my fault for freaking using my own analogy against me. It's true. It's I'm, I'm dumb. You were so proud, you're like, eh, the Usos are going to win the tag team match, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get you back because you're going to pick against Roman. Because it's you. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> that being said, I took the lead, which means I have the grace to go first because i am in the lead and that's how these things work so i will go in the order call me a narcissist go ahead hey perhaps i'm the lex luger of this show the total package booyah that would leave you to be buff bagwell with a goofy dance stop it you stop that right now don't you ever call me buff bagwell again in your life hey at least your mom was a tag team champion (laughs) that was wcw 99 mind you Wow. Trivia question, who was she tag team champions with? I Wait, you won't guess. It was Rick Steiner. <laughs> Rick Steiner's first ever mention on the Double Turn podcast. He should be honored. The dog face gremlin. Welcome to the dog pound. You know what? He was the one that went ahead and made the uh, earmuffs more pop- popular before Kurt Angle did. You want some? Come get some. You don't like me? Bite me. Tremendous. So did John Cena take take that line from Rick Steiner? It's possible. Wow. The DFG plus his brother. Holla if you hear me. Big Papa Pump. Okay. I'm going to go in the order of matches that uh, have the least amount of relevance to the ones that have the most amount of relevance. Fair enough. Does that seem fair? It does. Okay. It's kind of like the thing that we do every single time we do these Even shows. if it doesn't, I'm going first and I'm setting the tone. So there you go. Maybe next time when you're in the lead, you could put the main event first. I don't care. Actually, I will. I'll basically tell you to do the same thing anyway because it makes sense. Because we're leading up to the main events. Just saying. Because we're leaders. We are. Yeah. We are. We're leaders in the space. We're leaders and we're legends, just like in the Big Ten for Get a while. Get in there. Just saying. Too sweet me, bro. Too sweet me as That's my right. freaking chin hits the mic. I don't care. That being said, I'm going to start with the tag team match that was made after SmackDown for the Raw tag team titles between The Revival, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder, against The Usos. Our boys, The Usos. Yep, James and Jay. As I... <laughs> As I like to, as I like to say, because we're both big fans of theirs. Sure. Even though, even though they win matches, they have no business winning. All right, I'm putting my <laughs> foot down. There's no reason for the Usos to win the tag team titles. I don't care that they're related to Roman and The Rock, and they're apparently wrestling royalty. I don't care. They're Rikishi's sons. The Revival needs to win a match against a credible team. They're hanging out with Shane. They've got the belts. It took them forever to beat Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Can we please make them credible and make the tag team division deep? I don't care if you think the booking decision is better with the Usos as the champions. The Usos don't need the belts. They don't. Whereas the revival to stay relevant and to push them as actual people you want to use on your show need the belts. So I'm picking the revival to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. Third pair of $400 sunglasses in a week. Brand new, fully equipped Ford Lariat driven off the lot, paid in full. Chalk line official tank top showing off my cannonball delts and long head triceps. 
top guys doing top guy things. That is a quote from Scott Dawson, my boy. Get in there. Revival wins in Philly. Suck one. Let's move on. They don't need to lose the titles. I love the Usos. They don't need to be seven-time champions yet. They don't even need to be seven-time champions. They don't even need to win another tag team title for the remainder of the careers because they are set. Because of this generation, Jimmy and Jay are the best to ever lace them up of this generation as a tag team. That is just facts. The Young Bucks can fight me. The Lucha Bros can fight me. SoCal Uncensored can fight me. Hell, even the New Day can go ahead and fight me. The Usos are the best of this generation. Point blank, they don't need a seventh title reign, and they don't need to go over on the revival if they were to get one. So I love you, Jimmy and Jay, but Scott and Dash, Dashel, Scott Tonicus, they're going to do top guy things because they are top guys. Get in there. There it is. Yeah, I have to. Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match. Now, it is my understanding that, of course, this uh, feud has been built up for actually a little while. It has been. It's been going on for um, two months now. They did their strongman where they were pulling ropes, and they did a bunch of other like strongman stuff. By the way, can we please give Bobby Lashley the finisher of the torture rack? For goodness sakes. I thought you wanted him to have the spear. No, I want him to have the torture rack. He can use the spear or do anything else. Plus, I don't like his roll bump out of it. That's true. Give him the torture rack. He's got the delts. He's got the arms. I'm not saying make him Lex Luger. I'm just saying give Le- give him Lex Luger's finisher. No one's using it. It's credible when he uses it. Please give this man something to do. That being said, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley went through an LED light board during one of the editions of Monday Night Raw. Was I that two we weeks gonna, ago? Yeah, it was. I thought we were going to get a new stage because of it, but apparently that it's was It's still the very case. possible that we're yeah. going to get one, maybe in October when SmackDown gets its all new things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It'll bring the fist back. Yo, br- I don't thank know. you. You just read my mind. I'm just saying. I was literally about to say, bring back the fist. If only we get to have uh, Paul Heyman come out on Raw with Extreme Championship Wrestling. That would that, be amazing. Uh, and if if they bring back the fist, yo, or no Smackdown. flips, no flips with the fists. with the weird circle pyro around it. So. Ah, yeah. Now, uh, Braun Strowman apparently had a ruptured spleen or a lacerated spleen. Whether or not all this of is kayfabe, we don't know. We assume that it's kayfabe. Now, uh, I was given the suggestion that Bobby Lashley should have done an angle where he was suing WWE. What? <laughs> Right, because he got he got slammed through the LED board, That's right? A good point. Yeah, I and suppose. he walked away from it, and Braun Strowman didn't. Yeah. So there was going to be like you know unsafe work environment. He was going to sue the company, and then somehow like he would get tricked into facing Braun Strowman again. It would be great. This just happened, and apparently Braun Strowman's wrestling injured. Great. So here's where I'm conflicted. Go ahead. One, both of these men need to be pushed. Yes. So I don't really want them fighting each other, but this is what it is. Right. If Bobby Lashley can't beat a guy with a ruptured spleen, how am I supposed to take him seriously? That's a good question. However, if I'm pushing Bo- or Bobby, if I'm pushing Braun Strowman as this like unstoppable monster force, mm-hmm. of course he has to win this match because he's the babyface fighting in peril because he's injured. So I'm torn because I want Bobby to win and be strong out of this, and Braun can you know stay away for a while, even though I probably would have done something else with this match. So I'm torn. So I'm going to go with my gut okay? because it normally does not fail me, mm-hmm. right? I'm going with Braun Strowman okay? simply because I think they're just going to tell the very easy story of 
Bobby Lashley thinks this match is already over. Braun Strowman's going to limp his way out. He's going to sell the injury. Bobby's going to attack the injury. And then Braun Strowman's just going to do Braun Strowman things, hit his running power slam, and pin him. Or leave him down for the count of 10. Right. I'm saying he's going to do the running power slam, and then, you know, he'll do the three seconds, and then he'll get up. That's what I'm saying. It's very WCW style where you pin a guy and then have a 10 count. <laughs> they did those matches. Why, I'm not making this up. This is why they went out of business. Uh, no, actually, there were several other reasons uh, by it. them losing like millions upon millions of dollars. So, yes, in a last man standing match, I will pick Braun Strowman to outlast Bobby Lashley. So here's the thing, because I'm also conflicted by this. I've actually been kind of writing both. I've been writing Bob. I've been writing Adam. I've been writing Adam. I've been writing Bob. That sounds really messed up when you actually listen to what I just said. That's not the point. You didn't even say Braun or Strowman or Bobby or Lashley. No, it's Bob and Adam. Okay. Yeah. Were they bobbing for Adams? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm trying to go ahead and figure out like what's the most logical thing to do with all of this. My heart tells me go with Lashley. Why? Because like, what the hell? Why not? Why not put Bobby La- push Bobby Lashley? You signed him last year. And then you put him over on, on on Roman, and then you've done nothing with him since. You've done garbage with him. He lost the demon at WrestleMania, and then he got you guys got rid of of Leo Rush. You know, Bobby Lashley's just been by himself. The most interesting thing that Bobby Lashley has done over the past seven or eight months has been the fact that he went through an LED board and then got up to talk about it. So I would say put over Bobby. But knowing WWE, they won't. They're going to put over Strowman. This is the thing. They're going to go ahead and put over Strowman and then not do with anything with him for the next two months, have him lose to somebody random, not Corbin. Because um, Corbin was random. Now we know Corbin is not random anymore. Shout out to Baron Corbin on my behalf. Shocking, I know. I'm going to go with Strowman just because it's a safe pick. But it would be, I, I would be totally about it if Lashley hit the Dominator and Strowman couldn't get up, regardless of kayfabe ruptured spleen or not. Like, let's say, let's say Lashley beat him, and it, it has to do with the ruptured spleen. Strowman is still protected because he lost because of an injury, you know? True. And then Lashley still gets a win over Braun Strowman. So it's a win-win scenario, whereas Strowman comes back and he wins even with the ruptured spleen. It makes... Lashley looked like not I'm not gonna say a punk because I mean Strowman is six foot eight, three eighty-five, but a ruptured spleen is still a ruptured spleen. If you were to lose to that, I mean you don't deserve to be in the ring with Braun Strowman, period. So who you picking? I'm going with Strowman just because it's a safe pick. Here's and, the other thing. Yeah. Um if Strowman beats him, yeah. Lashley can immediately get his heat back. True, but I at this point I do want them to move on from each other. Which I don't see happening right now, yeah. unfortunately. Which is, again, why I'm picking Strowman. That's so we, fair. So we both pick Strowman. Yes. I really hate to do this because I love both of these men, but this feud makes absolutely no sense. Alistair Black versus Cesaro. Yes, Alistair Black's been cutting spooky promos. Yes, there's a knock at the door, and it was Cesaro is the one who knocks. Uh- I am the one who knocks. Yes. See, who wrote that line? So, Screw you. Apparently Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare. Uh, Aleister Black's been cutting spooky promos about uh, wanting somebody to face him. 
What's it called? The Harbinger of Fury? Something like that. Yeah. So, of course, the thought process is that eventually it's going to end up being him and Bray Wyatt. That makes sense. That makes too much sense. So, unfortunately, they finally decided, okay, we're going to reveal who your opponent is because we apparently need you to have a match at Extreme Rules instead of just waiting another month and doing it at SummerSlam and having somebody really cool come out. Anybody? Somebody from NXT? Somebody that's returning? Somebody that you just signed? Anyone? Bray Wyatt? Corporate Kane? I don't care. (laughs) Instead, they're just like, oh, Cesaro has nothing to do. Let's just make it him. Now, I will say this. As stupid as this feud is, is I expect this to be a really good match. Or at least it could be a really good match. Give Give him 15. Knowing WWE, they'll give him like five because Aleister Black hit Black Mass and just pin him. Now, I will also add this. I have loved what they have done with Cesaro since he has essentially come become a singles guy again because, yeah. again, Sheamus may have to retire. Right. So they gave him new music. Even though he's still doing the bar sideways thumb, I still love that because it's unique to them. It's unique to them, and it's kind of a, a way of – Give him the paint tribute to Sheamus. I will make this very simple. Yeah. There is absolutely no way they would have Aleister Black lose his first match after months and months of these dumb promos backstage. Okay. You give a guy TV. Now, I realize they were not every week because they and haven't by the been way, every they week. haven't been dumb promos. They've actually been relatively good promos. The point is that we've been waiting this entire time for these promos and this is the payoff. Right. Dumb. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. I know you've loved them. I have not. So, yes, that is my opinion that they've been a waste of time. Yeah. Okay? You could have done anything with Aleister Black, including leaving him in NXT. I'm just saying. So, uh, Aleister Black's winning this match. I expect Cesaro to give him a very good match. But, as per usual, I have absolutely zero thoughts about Cesaro even beating him in this match. He is essentially a worker for them. A very good one. But we're at the point of basically no return with actually pushing Cesaro as a singles guy, so Aleister Black's winning. I mean, Aleister Black is one of those guys that, along with Ricochet and whenever Cole and Gargano and Ciampa, whenever he's healthy, God rest, God, God bless him, uh, these are the guys, these are the future of World Wrestling Entertainment in, in the main event scene. You know, we're, we're currently in the present, you know, with Rollins and Roman and... I'm not going to say AJ because AJ's up there in age, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Aleister Black needs to win this match because this is the guy that you're about to go ahead and strap the rack, the racket, the rocket onto. And Jim just, Cornette's not involved. No, he's not. Uh, but but seriously, like Aleister Black is the one of the guys. This is one of Triple H's guys. This is one of his pet projects from down in NXT. Like you don't bring this guy up just to go ahead and have him do six weeks worth of spooky promos backstage after he and Re- him and Ricochet went ahead and tore the house down at WrestleMania with the um with the Usos and um who else was in that match Ross remind me it was the the Usos uh was New Day in that match no they were not it was uh, come back to me come back to me come back to me anyways that's not the point I'll let you look that up but the, the, the these this guy is amazing and just give them 10 to 15 minutes to work with Cesaro, and they're going to go ahead and put off fireworks there in Philly. I'm telling you this right now. Philadelphia's going to have a very, very fun time with this match. They're going to get wrestling at its purest form 
between two guys who can absolutely go. And I think the lo most logical and only answer that you can go with here in this particular situation is Aleister Black. The WrestleMania match was the Usos, Aleister Black, and Ricochet, Rusev, and Shinsuke Nakamura, and The Bar. Thank you very much. I was just dying there for a second. I was like, I cannot remember. And yes, I had match. to do it with the pirate accent of The Bar. That's fine. That's the only way that you can say The Bar. We are The Bar. And we said it. Damn right we do. Love those Come at us, other podcasts. I'm kidding. That's not, We're not here to compete. I promise. <laughs> well, I I'm, mean, inherently we are. But, I suppose. Know. All right, so we yeah. are both picking Aleister Black. Yes, we are. All right, once again, I hate that I have to put this on the show, but because I know it's probably going to be at this point in the show, I have to put it on here. My boy, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight title. Drew Gulak and Tony Nese are probably going to put on a really good pre-show match because it's probably going to be the only pre-show match they do. Because again, I hate to admit this, but when you put a 205 live show on a WWE pay-per-view and you put it on the main card, people most of the time are very confused. Because there are some people that do not watch 205 live and never see these guys. Which again, is their fault for doing... Because essentially, unless you are at a SmackDown and then stay for 205 Live, you don't see them either. So, it's kind of one of those really just spots where, yes, there's some really good stuff on. Or actually, do they do 205 Live first? It doesn't matter. I, that's a good question. I thought they did it after, but it's probably before. It doesn't matter. Drew Gulak is one of the most technically proficient wrestlers in WWE. No, he's not. He's one of the most technically proficient wrestlers on the planet. Yes. I thought you were about to disagree with me and I was going to have to slap you. No, the point dude, is, not, the man I'm is not awesome. Stupid. And Tony Nese was on about a six-month run and he's kind of really cooled off. He's cooled off from a momentum standpoint. In no way, shape, or form does that mean that that man cannot go in the ring. I didn't say that. No, I'm I know. I'm saying the, momen the momentum of him being uber, over babyface is kind of over. He... He has lost more momentum. Excuse me. He has lost more momentum than Becky Lynch has lost over the past six months. Becky however, Lynch has lost a little bit of momentum. However, he has lost less momentum than Buddy Murphy, who has still yet to debut on SmackDown. We both threw pens. It's ridiculous. It is. Why couldn't Why couldn't Buddy Murphy be the mystery partner for for Roman Reigns? <laughs> Why couldn't that have been it? Oh, yeah, because we didn't want to use him on television because we had to have Cedric Alexander look like an idiot. Oh, well, yeah, he hold got on. pinned in that match. Mur Murphy's also on SmackDown, but wild card. Yeah, just saying. Anyway, that being said, I see no reason to, to take the title off of Drew Gulak because Drew Gulak's kind of going everywhere with this title. You just put it on a mega heel who you've been postponing putting the title on for a while because the whole Buddy Murphy thing happened and a bunch of other things really cool on 205 Live had been happening and Tony Nese just lost the title and I don't really see a great reason to put the title back on, which is again why I inherently hate automatic rematches in 95% of the cases because I have zero expectations about the champion who's now an ex-champion getting the belt back. So Gulak's winning and retaining the Cruiserweight title. How mad would you be if Tony Nese regained the Cruiserweight title, though? If there was a purpose to it, uh -huh. good. 
However, if the purpose is that these two are just going to fight for the belt and exchange it six times in the next that's six annoying, months, right. that's annoying. Now, you watch 205 Live more than I, I I follow it, but I don't actually physically watch it on the network just because I never have enough time to. I did see yeah. your picture about uh, the fact that I should be managing the Singh Brothers. Damn You're right. absolutely correct. I, that's, not a, that's not a lie. That is facts. My question to you is the crowd reactions towards Drew Gulak, how are they? I know he's the heel in this feud, but how are the actual crowd reactions? I think people were waiting for a long time for them to actually put the belt on him uh-huh. and they appreciate the fact that now that he has the belt yeah i don't want to say it brings prestige to the belt that's cliche and, and it's that's probably mes- not that's true disrespectful anyway. to tony niece as well yes however just it makes sense that drew gulak has a title okay and again that's not a knock against tony niece i'm right, just right, saying right. that there are certain guys that you're like that guy's a champion. No, no, I get that. The reason why I bring that up is, at at this point, why the hell not turn Drew Gulak babyface? Because he's way better as a heel. But you have, but you don't know that yet because you haven't seen him as a babyface. Because at this point, they probably don't think that. Let's see. The second biggest heel on Two Hundred Five Live as of this moment is Davari. Here's the thing, though. Chad Gable is now a part of the 205 Live roster. Which is another reason why they should keep him heel, because Chad Gable babyface against, uh, heel against Drew Gulak? Uh, is, is money. But what about a babyface Drew Gulak versus a heel Chad Gable? You'd have to build that. That's fair. Because I think people inherently want to cheer Chad Gable. That's a good point. I mean, the man is amazing. So okay. if you, if you do had, that, yeah. you, you have to pull the trigger at the right time. Okay, that's so fair. So for now, Gulak is a perfectly good heel. Okay. So my pick is still Gulak. Please no, that's continue. Fair. No, absolutely. I just wanted to go ahead and kind of get your thoughts on that. But Drew Gulak is currently the best thing going on in 205 Live. Fight me on that. I'm not stupid. I've liked Drew Gulak for a very long time. He's my boy's boy. The dude can go. I mean, he's completely different as a heel than than Buddy Murphy is. Buddy Murphy wasn't even really a heel. Buddy Murphy was just a badass who carried a purple title around and whooped your ass and made you like it. Drew Gulak has just been phenomenal. He's been incredibly entertaining. When he was teaming up with Enzo, when Enzo was still in the company, he was outshining Enzo half the time. Then that's not disrespectful towards Enzo because Enzo was incredibly entertaining. That being said, Drew Gulak is a made man. And he earned his keep last month at Stomping Grounds, and he should keep that Cruiserweight title until they're ready to go ahead and bring up Chad Gable. So there you go. I'm going with Drew Gulak because I was wrong at Stomping Grounds, and I should have never picked against him. That was amazing. I absolutely, totally marked out here in the studio when that happened. I wish I would have been here with you. It was amazing. Drew Gulak. But you know what? At the same time, I kind of had fun watching it with Andres and Santiago. That was their first ever really watching of a pay-per-view, even though they're running all over the living room and they stood and watch it but whatever uh because i'm going to be fair with what wwe has really booked instead of my own personal bias yeah the next match is ricochet versus aj styles fair enough now we have said ad nauseum on this podcast i have said it j-man has said it we love both of these men in fact i will tell you these are two of the best wrestlers on the planet damn right if given time this could be the match of the night in fact, I will guarantee you if it's given time, it will be match of the night because of who's in the match. Yeah. I understand it is for the United States title that is about at the same level as like the worst belts they have in this company. It's, I'm going to be very careful in saying this, but I want to say the 24-7 title might be over, might be more over than this championship. I think the only belt that is less 
Actually, I take that back. Being the United States champion is more prestigious than being the Raw Tag Team Champions. Agreed. The f- the women's tag team champions. <laughs> and at this rate, it's probably on par with the 24-7 title. By the way, did you see my post about the women's tag team titles from the other day? I did. Yeah. I did. Holler at me. By the way, there was a really goofy promo with the Kabuki Warriors and the towering page. Whoever decided to make her manager in heels with two of the shortest women you have on your roster, fail. It's as bad as Karen Jarrett towering over people in TNA. Ever sit down in a chair for a promo. Gosh, it's not that hard. By the way, Paige, for any of you that disputed me when I first said this, Paige is literally the babyface version of Stephanie McMahon. It's not a compliment. Go away, Heat. I don't care anything. Plus, she's slapping people for no reason. Stephanie McMahon! I'm just saying. Okay, Ricochet and AJ Styles. I'm torn. As I said before, I really think this should have been either a ladder match or a cage match or something, right? Because the club's been involved. There was a match where Gallows and then Anderson wrestled Ricochet, and then they all beat him up afterwards. That was this week, actually. I will say this. AJ doesn't need the title. AJ can afford to lose. Ricochet staying strong. Ricochet keeping the title. And Ricochet basically kind of getting a pseudo pass-the-torch moment from AJ Styles at a B pay-per-view. That's why I say pseudo, not official pseudo in the wow this guy just beat me and i kind of had my guys here too and he just beat me again and then of course they can just get their heat back immediately because it's the u.s title and no one really cares i'm picking the one and only ricochet to retain his united states title because if for nothing else aj doesn't need the win and ricochet needs the win over the credible guy. And I expect this to continue for another month. And the only way you do that, I think, is by Ricochet winning. Because I wouldn't do hot potato with the belt, especially when SummerSlam's coming up. So you can have Ricochet win, AJ back his way into another match, and you know you can do something, I'm not suggesting this, but I'm saying you know you could do a four corners match for the title, with the three of them and Ricochet, and then they all fight with each other. Gallows, Anderson, and AJ. I'm not saying it's the best idea. I'm just saying it's an idea. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's SummerSlam. You pretty much are trying to get everybody on the card anyway. True. I'd rather see them in a United States title match than the club be in a seven-way tag match that doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying. It's just an idea. It might be dumb. The point is, Ricochet is retaining the United States title at this pay-per-view. So, I originally asked... Uh, 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 I'd like to clarify, I'm also very torn about this match because uh, it basically comes down to where do you see AJ Styles on the Raw roster? Do you see him as uh, shooting up to main event heel? Do you want to go ahead and keep him in the mid card? Um, What do you want to do with AJ Styles? Uh, You know, there's a lot of things. I mean, it also comes down to where AJ Styles should actually be. You know, AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers in it. No, 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 no. AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So it, it just depends on where you want to go ahead and place him. That being said, 
this match and this rivalry with Ricochet has legs. It's got legs. It can do a you can do a lot with this. You can put over Ricochet and you can just shoot him up to the moon. Um, the one thing I as much as I love AJ Styles, the one thing you have to be careful as uh, careful of is not to bury Ricochet in this feud because Ricochet is the future where AJ Styles is the present. I was going to go ahead and say the best thing to do right now is actually have Ricochet win via disqualification on Sunday. I was going to say that, but that's a cop-out. And I hate cop-outs. You hate cop-outs. So, I'm going to say it. Why the hell not? Have Ricochet beat AJ Styles clean on Sunday. I mean, it doesn't hurt AJ Styles in any way, shape, or form. Ricochet is one of the best performers in the world today. The dude is phenomenal. We all know what he can do. Watch his work in NXT. Watch his work on the main roster since he's been called up in, in, in March. Watch his match with Samoa Joe at Stomping Grouts. Come on. Get in there. Ricochet can go with the best of them. You Let these two have 15 minutes and see the fireworks go off. You think Aleister Black and Cesaro are going to put on a show on Sunday? I, I love those two men. It's This is where it's at, though. This like from a wrestling standpoint, there's a couple of matches on this card. You look at Astro, Alistair Black and Cesaro. You look at the revival and the Usos. You look at Kofi and Samoa Joe. You look at Gulak and Nice. This is the creme de la crop, though. Just let them go and put over Ricochet. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's going to give a credible win to Ricochet because he's amazing. And then AJ is going ahead and doing the honors. That's that's a win-win situation. Ricochet for the win. We are halfway through this pay-per-view, and the J-Man and I have picked the exact same winners thus far. Not that I'm horribly surprised, because that seems to be a theme for this pay-per-view. So we'll see. The triple threat tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships between the Planet's Tag Team Champions, Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the New Day, represented by Big E and Xavier Woods, because their fellow New Day member is in a title match later in the show, and, of course, Heavy Machinery, they are also in this feud. By the way, if you are looking for a bright spot on television this week... <laughs> heavy Machinery, though. Please go watch Xavier Woods versus Daniel Bryan versus Otis. Good yeah. stuff. So, Otis may not look like he can go in the ring. If you've <laughs> never seen Heavy Machinery work, because it's Tucker Knight and Otis, those men are great. They really... Tucker, T- Tucker can cut a promo. Uh, I believe... Was it Tucker Knight that debuted on the main roster in the greatest Royal Rumble? I realize it was a Saudi Arabia show and nobody probably really cared, but I remember he was in a Rumble or a Andre the Giant Battle Royal or whatever it was, and then Otis joined him later. I will let you know in a second, I, br- I, I I think Tucker Knight debuted in some type of match like that, very much like the Rusev type of uh, debut where they debuted on the main roster as the uh, either Rumble or some type of course that of course he was alexander rusev remember that i sure do remember those days with the long hair absolutely when yeah. he was when he was from russia say, he first sh- he, he, he uh shaved his his beard he's only got a goatee now it looks, i don't know yes not I'll, feeling it i also saw him play pickup basketball he was hilarious <laughs> he's unbelievable it's his shoes are so wide though uh, he, look he, he he's got wide feet um uh he perf- yes greatest royal rumble in Jeddah last there you last go April. there you go uh, so, this is what I will say. Daniel Bryan is 
again, this is my opinion, in our award show, Daniel Bryan is the best thing going in this company. So, as I've said before, and I will say again, if you are not ready to push him as a main event player right now, you have to keep the belts on this team. So, I'll be quick, dirty, and easy. The Planets Tag Team Champions are winning, and if you want to do it right, I actually think somebody on the New Day has to get pinned and leave heavy machinery open. That way you're not burying them. The New Day can take the pinfall. It's probably going to be X. That's fine. But I would keep heavy machinery strong. That way, heavy machinery and Daniel Bryan and Rowan can have their rematch that's not in Washington. Daniel Bryan and Rowan retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I hate how in tune you and I are. It, it, it irritates me. I have it written down here. Planet's Tag Team Champs retained by Pin and X. It freaking pisses me off when you do that. It's like you're it's like you're reading my stuff, man. But no, you're right. I mean, if you haven't been watching SmackDown over the past couple over the past couple of weeks, not over the past few months, over the past couple of weeks, Otis and Tucker can not only go in the ring. They are funny as hell. They're, I mean, oh, Tucker Knight is is it can cut a promo, and Otis, Otis is just a cool, cool guy. Otis has Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> he he he's got that weird what I like to call. Um, I'm trying to think of the term now. He's got gold dust charisma to him. Yeah, he does. He's got that weird, goofy, like, oh my gosh, it's in your face so much, but it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, at the beginning when they first got called up, like he was he, he was coming out during Alexa Bliss's moment of bliss, and then hitting on Mandy Rose. He was hitting on on your on your on your fiance, and uh, it's just so funny because. I could totally see Mandy kind of going towards Tucker. Oh, I'm sorry, not Tucker. Otis, in a way. Because remember, the first Mixed Match Challenge, Goldust and Mandy Rose actually got paired up. I really enjoyed that. I would, to- I, I would pay money. I would pay money to see Mandy Rose and Otis. You know what would happen? Mandy Rose would like be the... Uh... She'd be the like like the uh, like the man eater character. Yeah. Where she'd suck him in uh-huh. and like get her and Sonya donuts because that's their thing. Is they get donuts because yeah. they have a YouTube a channel. Thing. We got to give them a shout out. They do. Yeah. And so like he does all these things for them and like brings you know, them donuts every night. Right. And then like you know she gives him like a kiss on the hand or something. You know just whatever. And he's just like oh my gosh the greatest <laughs> thing ever. And then she turns on him and kicks him in the and kicks him in the nuts. Ah. Uh. You'd have to build to it, yeah, of course. And there'd have to be some, there'd have to be somebody that 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 fights for them to face Otis and Tucker. I, I don't care who Daniel it is. Daniel Bryan and Rowan. No, that no, makes no. That, that, like have it have it be like who cares? Like have it be like the revival or something. Who cares? They'd have to be on the same show, but yeah. you get my drift. I totally get it. All right. That being said, I love I love heavy, heavy machinery. I don't think they're winning on Sunday. Um, the same thing that I said about the Usos goes for the New Day. Again, I love the New Day. I love Xavier Woods. I love Big E. They're my boys. But right now, right now, the best thing going in the tag team division, not just on SmackDown, but in WWE as a whole, as much as I love the Revival, the best thing going on in the tag team division by far is Daniel Bryan. 
Yes, Rowan is great too, but it's Daniel Bryan, and it's not even freaking close. So get the hell on out of here if you're going to go ahead and come at me and say, oh, Heavy Machinery needs to win the tag team titles, or, 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 or the New Day needs to be six-time WWE tag team champions, baby. That's my Sammy Davis Jr. impression. Wow. Um, it's Daniel Bryan all damn day. Daniel Bryan. Now, you can make the argument that Heavy Machinery can win the titles and not pin Daniel Bryan and no, Rowan. No, 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 but I disagree with you on that because Heavy Machinery can't keep, can't hold it together the way that Daniel Bryan's holding it together. I they, agree with they you. Just, they, there's no possible way. They're not going to be taken seriously enough, and that's not disrespect to Tucker and to Otis. Honestly, it's really not. But Daniel Bryan is a main event player that's helping you keep your mid-card together. And that is exactly what you need to, as an infrastructure to continue the renaissance of your tag team division. This is why the revival and the Usos. So you take Daniel. So you take the revival, the Usos, and Daniel Bryan and the New Day, and all of that is what's going to help you rebuild this demolished tag team division that you have on the main roster right now. By the way, when was the last time we completely counted New Day out of a tag team title match? It's been a while. It has been. Like, just completely nonchalant, not even thinking they may win. I think they're just there. Which uh, is another reason why I don't you, like them you, in this match. You have to go to 2017. That's how far back you need to go. I just don't like them in this match other than to eat the pin. Which I guess is fine, but they're really not that necessary unless that's the only purpose there. Plus, look, I'm not saying X and Big E can't go and they won't add something to the match. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying their purpose in this match is to eat a pin. Well, the funny thing is that Originally, this match was a, you know, two-team match. It was New Day versus Daniel Bryan and and, and Rowan. Right, and, and heavy, machi- heavy machinery, and then they mm-hmm. added heavy machinery, which is so such an interesting thought that you would have that. But I agree, I agree. Um, I think that it just adds a level of quote-unquote prestige because there's the they're the five-time champs. I guess maybe, but. I, I don't know. That being said, uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan need to keep the tag team titles because they are. Daniel Bryan is holding this thing by strings, and just give him more time, and him along with the Revival and the Usos and the New Day will rebuild this tag team division to where it needs to be. I promise you. All right, I'm going to go rapid fire through the next two because I want to have the next or I want to have the last two actually given most of the rest of the time of this show. Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross in a handicap match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, I'm going to at least steal a little bit of your thunder, but that's okay because we're on the same wavelength because I was thinking it, but then you told me about it. Yeah. So this, of course, is setting up the possible return of the boss, Sasha Banks, to come back and help her friend, you know, kind of even the odds. Because in theory... There are no rules in a handicap match, even though there may be rules in this handicap match, because I don't know. Can Alexa and Nick, can Alexa and Nikki attack them at the same time? Do they have tags and Bailey doesn't? This is never explained. I wish they would just say these things. They've done the two people holding a championship at the same time. They've done that before. That was lay cool. Yeah. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, I I get it. They had the, you know, half belts and whatever. That's It's the gimmick. It's done once. I don't need to see it again. So there are two schools of thought. You can either have Bailey retain the championship and her and Sasha can maybe get into a feud for the title. Or you have Nikki or Alexa win the championship and they kind of feud for the title. Or you just have one of them win and then you figure it out for SummerSlam. 
don't know. So I'm just going to play safe because that's kind of the theme of this pay-per-view because we're getting towards SummerSlam where I have a feeling we're going to have much more risk-taking happen because it's essentially the summer version of WrestleMania. They like to kind of do things and get everybody on the show and make it 18 hours. Mark my words, it's going to be probably a six-hour show. Just mark it now. I got to take that Sunday off. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Bailey's going to retain. Uh, I have a feeling that Alexa Bliss is going to have the win, and somehow Nikki Cross is going to screw something up, because that is the gimmick, that Nikki Cross is Alexa Bliss's friend, even though Alexa Bliss is going to try and screw her over and win the title, and Nikki Cross will do something that will cause Alexa Bliss the win. So... I'm going to pick Bailey to pin Alexa Bliss and retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. It's a good shout. I like it. Um, listen, if you don't think that this is foreshadowing for Sasha Banks, you're absolutely out of your minds. The promo that Nikki Cross cut on Monday night and on Tuesday stating that Bailey doesn't have any friends here in WWE it just shouts of Sasha Banks making her return. On the outside of things, I mean, this is about as you know interesting as it can possibly get. There are there are reports saying that Sasha is ready to make her return. So you take all these things, and it'll be more surprising if Sasha doesn't show up in Philly than it is Sasha showing up in Philly. That being said regardless of Sasha showing up or not showing up, you can't have Bailey lose this match. And I'll tell you why, which is the thing that I was telling you when we were off the air. If you were to have Bailey lose the title this quickly, not having to do anything with the rivalry that she's had with Alexa Bliss, I'm just talking about her losing the title quickly, it ne neglects everything that the Money in the Bank contract stands for. Now, we were talking about length of title reigns and things of that nature, but it's like, okay, well, you wasted... You wasted Becky losing the SmackDown Women's title belt to go ahead and give Charlotte a ninth reign for Charlotte then to lose it in a less than two minutes. And then give it to Bayley and then have Alexa Bliss all of a sudden come in, snatch the title, and then run off. And then leave Bayley kaplop. And that would ruin Bayley because you and I talked about it. Bayley has had this renaissance since WrestleMania where she has become so much better than, she than she's been since she got called up to the main roster. I feel like it would kind of threaten the, the rebuild that you've done with her. So regardless of Sasha Banks showing back up in Philadelphia, I think Bayley wins and it allows... Bailey to move on with the SmackDown Women's title, and then it allows us to go ahead and see that very interesting feud that we are now looking forward to between Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, which is crazy for me to think, but it's going to be very enjoyable because of the two characters that we have to play with. Hashtag let Nikki play. We are seven for seven right now. It's crazy. All right. As per my theme on this show. Yeah. Kofi's retaining. Can you at least give me something? Okay, Kofi's facing Joe. This feud sucks. You don't even know if it's... How, do, how does it suck for you? Okay. Joe has cut backstage promos or on-site promos uh -huh. saying he's going to kill Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston, I have absolutely no fear, is losing the title 
anytime soon. Okay. So, this is a pay-per-view in which I could have seen Kofi not wrestle for his title. Let Okay. And him defend it on TV and have him do anything else besides wrestling for his title. Make the put the New Day in a six man tag against anybody. All right, I, in, a, in in some type of weapons match. Yeah, I got you. You know because we need a weapons match at Extreme Rules. Good point. It's a good point. You make a good point. And that way you don't have to have a WWE title match on this pay per view because your next pay per view is Summer Slam. Okay. So I, again, I was going to go the quick route. Yeah. But I had my. I, I did my spiel. Kofi is retaining. Also because Joe never wins on pay-per-views when it matters. So Kofi's retaining his WWE championship, despite the fact that I still want him to lose the title. So I've picked Samoa Joe to win the WWE championship last September. I picked Samoa Joe to win the WWE championship in February. And nothing. I have gotten absolutely nothing from Joseph. Please pick him again. I kind of want to, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Because I'm not that stupid. Um, From a wrestling standpoint, from a wrestling standpoint, Samoa, as long as Kofi can go on Sunday, as long as he can go 100% and he heals up and he's not nicked up and all that good stuff. I hope this is on the pre-show. Son of a gun. You would say that. No, but in all sincerity, uh, this match should be good. As long as Kofi's not too banged up. So, I ex- I just, here's the thing. I'm okay with Samoa Joe losing. Just, I, I swear to you, Ross, if I see another Coquina clutch and then another backflip and then Joe's shoulders are pinned down to the freaking mat again, if I see that finish one more time, I'm going to lose my can we instead have Kofi Kingston just hit Trouble in Paradise and he loses in five seconds? No, because they already did that chamber. Ah, you're right. Yeah. Good call. Thank SOS you. into a pinfall. Yeah. Love it. It's true. They they did that and it was ridiculous. It's a it's a makeshift. We have to have a WWE title match on the pay per view match. It is very similar that's, to last year's Extreme Rules WWE title that's, match. That's all again. At least, at least last year's match between Rusev and AJ Styles was fire. It's like, oh, we had a title change at the Royal Rumble. Let's do a title match at Roadblock. I'm just saying. No, that, I get you. That still annoys me. No, Ew, you. you boy, Triple H versus Dean Ambrose. Ew. At least it was a good match. That being said, Kofi's going to retain his title um, in Philly. Can you imagine if? Your boy Triple H would have won the Royal Rumble for the title, then lost it at Roadblock, and then there was a triple threat at Mania. Uh, that would have been. That would have been fire! I'm just saying. They could have had that idea. I know. But they wanted to wait to have all three Shield members hold the belt the same night, which I thought was cool. It was very cool, but the problem was that it backfired, and Triple H was not supposed to be getting cheered as much as he did in Dallas, and everybody was going nuts for Triple H. Look. I could go on and on about your boy, Triple H. Hey, you have to give the man credit where it is due. He did everything to make sure that Roman Reigns was cheered that night. The crowd refused to cheer Roman. They only wanted to cheer Triple H. Like, it would be one thing if they weren't cheering for anybody and they just went completely silent in Mm. Dallas. No! They had every single fiber in their being rooting for Paul Levesque that night. You could have had him come out and wrestle in a suit. Uh, well, and he still probably would have been cheered more, to be honest with you. Bow down to the bow down to the king. It would have been bow down to the CEO, COO. 
Only if Corporate Kane was in his corner. That's all I'm saying. Would, how great would that have been? Wrestling in slacks. Yes. Shirt, shirtless. Yes. Tremendous. What yes. a tag team that would be. Oh. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we both picked Kofi. We're eight for eight on this pay-per-view. I'm not surprised. Should we switch it up? The Undertaker and Roman Reigns, the big dog. Um, uh, excuse me. Let me start again. The Dead Man and the Big Dog versus the Scottish Psychopath and the Best in the World, Shane McMahon. In a no-holds-barred tag team match, which I don't know how it's any different than what should be the main event, which is the uh, double title match, which is Extreme Rules, I'm guessing one match you can use weapons and the other one you can't. Whoop-de-doo. All right, so... They did the angle on TV where they had the mystery partner with Roman because, you know, the Undertaker's not going to show up on a SmackDown. And uh, Shane McMahon just pinned the mystery guy instead of, you know, the other finish, which is the mystery guy just pinned Shane McMahon. Here's what I will say. Uh, Shane McMahon and his crew have kind of gotten a lot of one-ups on Roman Reigns recently. I realized that Roman Reigns beat Drew McIntyre, which gave me the lead in our little standings thing here. You had to go ahead and bring that I up. I did, because uh, my boy, Drew Gulak, also put me over the top that night. So, yeah, because you had to pick your boy, Tony Nese, in that match. Don't, don't call him that. He's not my boy. He is your boy over there. The all-American, American, wait, that was Jack Swagger. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, the, the Undertaker's not losing. I don't care that this is a B pay-per-view. I don't care that Shane McMahon has been booked literally at the level where he should be competing for the WWE Championship, which, by the way, they still might do. Don't don't go there. It means Brock Lesnar will be a babyface, though. I'm just saying. I would hate that, by the way. But it has been considered. Anyway, Roman Reigns and The Undertaker are not losing. I'm sorry. They're not losing. Now, if you want this to set up Drew and The Undertaker, either at SummerSlam or at WrestleMania, good. You can have the you can have their moments in the ring, but the finish of this match needs to be Roman Reigns spearing Shane McMahon and pinning him. Feud over. And then they can all go their separate ways. I was going to say, yeah, they better not give us a one-on-one match between Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon at, Summer, at SummerSlam. We just don't need that. We don't need it again. No, we don't. Because we technically already have it. Unless though, it's going to be a 30-second squash match, and that's it. Which could also happen. Because essentially... With Roman the, Reigns going over, mind you. Do not give me a 30-second squash match with Shane McMahon <laughs> well, going over on Roman Reigns. Well, technically, we already had a nine-minute squash match that's with Shane I'm beating saying, him. Yeah. So... Uh, Undertaker and Drew can have their moment Yeah, that can be foreshadowing for a month from now or six months from now or whatever. That's great. Roman needs to pin Shane McMahon and win the match for his team. Period. Done. Over. So that being said, it's funny that you have this match going on second to last because I truly believe that this match is going to main event Extreme Rules. I really do believe that. Look, I'm sorry. When you have a stipulation that you've built on your A-show with your two A-players with two A-belts against the best heel on Raw and the best female heel on Raw, how can that not main event? Because you have The Undertaker. 
I don't care that the Undertaker's in the match. Not just the Undertaker. You didn't let me finish. You interrupted me. Thank you. Roman Reigns in a non-title match is not a main event. Oh, I've told you that for like four years. WWE hasn't listened. Why, why the hell are the they going to listen to me now? The only exception I would have made for that rule was the Undertaker and Roman Reigns main eventing the WrestleMania if that was Undertaker's retirement match, which it wasn't. Which was bull. I agree, because that would have been perfect. Yeah, I know. That's stupid. However, I... This better not main event. Uh, and I, you know how much I really, really love part of the competitors in the main event. Just telling you, dude. I just have a No, feel, it's fine. I'm know. just going to be disappointed if they don't do it with them having the most hyped angle on their shows for the last month not being in the main event. But That's here's all. the thing. You think that, this, that, you think that the Rollins-Becky... Corbin Lacey thing has been more hyped than this because I feel like that's not the case. Yes. Okay. That's because fair. because the Undertaker, even though he showed up, yeah, the main storylines on Raw have been the four competitors that should be in the main event. Okay, I got you. Plus, they've built an entire storyline about the relationship of two of them. That's fair. By the way, so WWE released a shirt. This, this is true. It's called "We Run This Yard." It's got two dogs on the front of it, and then. You, on the back, it says Graveyard Dogs, and it's Undertaker Roman Reigns. So that's the name of their tag team, the Graveyard Dogs? I, I hate myself for reading that. I do. I best in it. the Psychopath? I don't uh, know. Beth, the best in Scotland? I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, Undertaker and Roman Reigns are going to win this match. I, I better not see Drew McIntyre get pinned. No, he won't. I better not see that. He won't. Like, I, I better see... Shane get speared four straight times. Mm-hmm. It's like boom. He goes to the pin. Oh no, 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 no. I'm gonna throw him against the ropes one more time. Boom! Another spear. Goes to the pin. No, 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 no. I'm gonna pick him up one more time. Against the ring post. Boom. Decides to pick him up one more time. And then this time it's Undertaker that tosses him. And then Roman completely obliterates Shane McMahon with a fourth and final spear. And then he just lays on him like He's getting up off the mic. He's demonstrating him doing something with the pin. Yeah. Like no one can see what he's doing. He's doing the weird pin that the Undertaker does with his tongue. That's actually not what I saw. I didn't see it anyway. I just assumed the worst. It was just, it was, no, it was just the, basically laying down basically on your arm like this. Oh. Yeah. Remember, this is a audible show, not a visual show. I know, but I had to go ahead and kind of... I was hoping that you'd go ahead and describe it a lot I better understand. than you did. No, it's okay. I just assumed the worst. It's okay. Now, I will tell you that you could do a situation where Drew gets pinned, and then while he's challenging the Undertaker, he can be like, oh, yeah, I lost because Roman helped you. Gets his heat back very easily. I'm not saying they should do that. I agree that Shane should be the one that's pinned. But if you do it in a scenario where Drew has a legitimate claim as a heel to be like, oh, yeah, I lost to two of you. Yeah. Without burying his buddy. Who How to be crazy would it be if Drew McIntyre were to go ahead and get the win in this match, though? That means Shane gets a win. Yeah, I know. I'm not on board with this. I, I'm with you. Plus, it means the Undertaker and Roman Reigns would lose in the first time ever that they would team as a team. But you've also always said that the team with the more experience should not be losing to somebody who's never It's the Undertaker um, <laughs> and Roman Reigns! I'm just trying to go ahead. I'm just following the recipe of Ross. All right, we are 9 for 9 on our picks. I have a feeling we're going to be 10 for 10 because it's a B pay-per-view. All right, if this match, which I think will be the main event, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans in a last chance 
winners take all mixed tag team extreme rules match That's for both lot. titles. That being the Universal Championship and the Raw Women's Championship. That's a lot of words. I'm reading white right off of Wikipedia. I know. That's probably how they're going to announce it too. Michael Cole's going to be out of breath just saying that sentence. You say Mike Rome is going to be like what? Right. Oh, and then he has to go ahead and add the fact that it's going to be Philadelphia's favorite son. Of course. Yeah. Now, I will tell you with a straight face. If this was SummerSlam, yeah. I might pick a different outcome. Uh, I, I I see what you mean. I might. I really might. Baron Corbin has been, again, some people think it's go-away heat. I think it's just proper heel heat. Lacey Evans has gotten better and better. I know a lot of people have given her a lot of slack for the fact that she's botched a lot in the ring. I get it. She hasn't botched that much. And she's been given the spot because they trust her in this spot with their gal, right. Becky Lynch. Yes. So, when you make the storyline that Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins are this, you know, perfect couple and they're both the champions and they're both running raw, I'm I'm waiting for the shirt that says the we run raw. The man's man. It, I think that shirt's already out. Ugh. Yeah. They, I mean Don't they were at the SP, they were at the SP's last night together. It's true. Yeah. It's true. They both looked great. Uh this is a match that if they were to have done it at SummerSlam, I would tell you that Corbin and Lacey would have a very real chance of winning these titles. Right. Ow. However, this is Extreme Rules 2019. It is your flagship show with your flagship people on your flagship belts. Because you've made it that way. And as much as I love Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans... And as much as I appreciate the work of Becky Lynch and how much Seth Rollins has been the guy on Raw, yeah. there's no way they're losing this match. Now, what I will be interested to see is because, and we said this before, the men and women are not supposed to be wrestling each other, even though this is a mixed tag intergender match in which, in theory, Becky Lynch can tap out Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans could pin Seth Rollins because they haven't specified that that's not going to happen. Right. Even though they did that weird tag team match where Seth and Becky wrestled Zelina and Andrade, although they never explained it because they never said this, after Zelina got eliminated, let's say Andrade eliminated Seth Rollins. Would the match just be over? I thought that was so... You see what I'm saying? That's why I hate these two out of three falls and elimination... Uh, Stuff. Now, I guarantee you what's going to happen is Baron Corbin's going to try and pin Becky Lynch. And either they're going to count it or they're not. Right? And I'm sure they'll do a thing where Lacey tries to pin Seth or Becky tries to put, you know, Baron in a disarmor. Realistically, they should just do the finish of they both put them in disarmors and tap them out. Mm -hmm. Because essentially what they're saying is in the relationship, Becky Lynch is the man. That's the storyline. I'm not making this up. So... Seth is taking her lead because she's the man in the relationship. You see how this, you see how much I've loathed the storyline and this character? It all comes to a head with this whole man's man gimmick. It's dumb. Hey, let's just emasculate Seth Rollins. Why not? Let's just bring Stephanie McMahon back and have her slap the entire men's roster without any comeuppance. Just saying. It's dumb. That being said, I do anticipate this match being a good one. Yeah, talent involved. Yeah, it's going to be again. I think it's going to be the main event. You're probably right. The Undertaker and Roman. I don't care. It's dumb. I do think this should be the main event. I do think it's going to be given time. Mm -hmm. 
And I think the three main events are going to be given time for sure. I do. I do yeah. think that. Because I think Kofi and Joe are going to go ahead and get – if Kofi is uh, is 100% by Sunday, they'll get 15 minutes. Maybe. So, I think they're going to tease that someone on the babyface team is going to be isolated for a long time. I have a feeling they're going to isolate Seth Rollins. It's funny you say that. I actually thought they were going to isolate Becky Lynch. No, because they don't want to see Baron Corbin beating up Becky Lynch, where they can see Lacey Evans like helping Baron Corbin beat up Seth Rollins. I'm sorry. When you when I say isolate, I mean like it's going to be Becky away from the match. Correct. Rollins getting okay. Cool. That's I, what I, I said. I, I said it wrong. Like uh, yeah. somehow, like Becky Lynch is going to get sucker punched yeah. and be out for like a while, like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can do the women's right, which is getting over yeah. as a finisher. Sure is. So she can hit it early in the match. And then, or you can have you know, Corbin choke slam her through the table. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I have a feeling they're going to play it off as it's going to be two on one Yeah. for a while. In fact, if you really want to do this this way, you could have Becky get knocked out, and then she comes out from the back. And Seth's like, where's Becky? I don't know where she is. Oh, she's knocked out backstage. Again, I'm not saying it's a great idea. I'm saying they could do that. To where, oh, well, the heels are going to cheat their way into a win. And then Becky comes out because she is the man. And she has to save Seth. This is not my thoughts. These are WWE's thoughts. And people in the crowd would probably love this. I would hate it. Becky and Seth are not losing their titles at Extreme Rules 2019. They are retaining both of their titles. End of story. How crazy would it be if this actual Extreme Rules turned out to be one of the most fire Extreme Rules we've ever had? By the way, I have zero expectations. I hope that means it's going to be a good show because I had zero expectations about Stomping Grounds, and that turned out to be a tremendous show. True. Uh, TLC did the same thing to us last year. Ended up being a really, really good show. Uh, Yeah, no. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are going to retain their titles, although I would love, love... To see what they could do with Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. I would. But it's okay because I love Becky Lynch and I do love Seth Rollins. And uh, there's other people that Seth Rollins could lose the title to. One of them is Scottish. And there's other people that uh, Becky Lynch could potentially lose the Raw Women's title to. One of them is a former UFC fighter. That being said... I think that they're going to give us a really good show. I think Stomping Grounds was a really nice teaser into what they can do on Sunday. Um, So it's just letting them go about it the way that they want to go about it and uh, have fun with it. Um, I think that uh, the crowd's going to be very, very involved in this one too because, I mean, they're in Philly. They love themselves some Seth Rollins out there. Becky Lynch is going to be over like white on rice. And they definitely do not want to see Baron Corbin be the universal champion. Exactly. They're going to be booing him like crazy. And then Lacey Evans by association. And actually, if it was Becky Lynch and versus Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans would also be getting booed very, very heavily no in doubt. Philadelphia. But I'm saying that they would it, oh, it's, they would it's a Barry Corbin thing that's yes. going to be happening. I agree with you 100%. And by the way, that's not just Philly. That's just the fact that Baron Corbin is doing one hell of a job as the biggest heel on the Raw roster right now. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. I got you. I got your back on that one. That being said, uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are going to retain their 
um, Universal and Raw Women's Titles. And uh, let's go over one more time. Uh, I have we both actually. Oh, here we go. Yeah, we, we both picked. We both picked. Rollins and Becky to retain the Universal and Raw Women's title. We both picked Taker and Roman. Uh, Kofi to retain the WWE Championship. Bailey to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Gulak to retain his Cruiserweight title. By the way, we also were calling Sasha showing up in Philly. Brian and Rowan to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Aleister Black to defeat Cesaro. Ricochet to defend his United States Championship and retain it. Braun Strowman to win the last man standing match and the Revival to retain the Raw Tag Team Championship. So no matter what happens, I will retain my one-point lead. That pisses me the hell off. You could have picked different. And what? Freaking have it go, be down by two? You you very well could have picked Cesaro to beat Aleister Black. <laughs> you could have also picked Bobby Lashley to beat Braun Strowman. Honestly, that's the only match that I could have gone ahead and said differently. You could have also said Joe. <laughs> You could have also picked Baron Corbin. Okay, maybe Lacey Evans. Let me, let me just no. Joe, Sasha Banks Samoa wins the Joe, title, even though she's Samoa not the Samoa Joe and I need to have a conversation because it's been too many times where the screwovers have happened. Clearly, you need to buy a shirt. All it says is Joe seven times. Joe, 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 Joe. Joe. Exactly. That was horrible, but that's okay. Did we actually? Was it seven Joes that we just did? I don't know. I wasn't I counting. Count. All right, it's okay. This was another long episode. Hopefully you guys do enjoy it. That was our 2019 Extreme Rules Preview and Predictions show. Pay-per-view is on Sunday, so we'll be watching the show here live. Uh, you can check out our Instagram pages, the Double Turn Podcast, one and only JMan19, Ross the Real Boss 85. My Twitter is BossRossTDT. I'm going to be active on Sunday. Tweeting my thoughts. Hopefully by then, J-Man will have a Twitter. So that way he can actually get Woj Bombs live. Or, hey, I'm, I was giving Woj Bombs, though. Look, you're not Woj. It's true. You don't give bombs. But, but, okay, you're so kind of like the firecrackers that just kind of whatever. <laughs> so you're going to go ahead and be on the t- uh, on the Twitter page. I will. I'll be, all, I'll be on the Double Turns um, Instagram page. There it is. So we're going to be all over the place. There it is. Yeah. Spewing our thoughts to the masses. And then our next show will be the post show yeah. for Extreme Rules 2019, where I were not just I, but we will be giving our review of the show. As I said before, I have zero expectations, which means I expect this to be a good pay per view. <laughs> Unlike the shows where I actually have anticipation and I have expectations, those shows tend to fail me. So, a real quick question What is your expectation for Match of the Night? Are you going Ricochet AJ Styles? Or are you going with Aleister Black and Cesaro? Or are you going with one of the two tag team title matches? I'm going to say, if it's given time, that yeah. Ricochet and AJ Styles will steal the show. Okay. However, if they give us a teaser, for next month, mm-hmm. and they don't give us the full time. Mm-hmm. I could see the main event being the best match on the show. Which, by the way, my main event is the double title, Extreme Rules intergender mixed tag team match. Okay. That being said, so that would be my match of the I night. I think the most emes- emotional investment will probably be Roman Taker Drew Shane. Probably. Um, but I agree. I think AJ and uh, Ricochet give them time. Give them ten minutes plus. They'll go ahead and give you the match of the night for sure. That's gonna do it for the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. For the J-Man, this has been Boss Ross, and we will catch you on the flip side. Woj Bomb! <laughs>